Welcome to the LifeHouse Church Podcast. LifeHouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. So we're going to dive into God's Word, and I'm excited to continue our Jesus and series today. Before we do that, though, I just want us to pray and prepare ourselves to receive God's Word today. If you wouldn't mind lifting up hands, there's going to be a prayer on the screen behind me, and then we're going to dive into God's Word together. Uh, I'll start off, and you can join me, all right? Father, thank you for your love. Jesus, thank you for showing us the way and making a way for us to be in relationship with God. Spirit, you are here, and you are willing to speak, change, convict, guide, reveal, and comfort. Have your way as we hear your word today. And everyone said, amen and amen. You can have a seat. So two quick announcements before we dive in. Number one, we've got marriage one night coming up Saturday, September 23rd. So if you are married, if you are dating, if you are engaged, if you, if you met somebody online that you're wanting to get to know better, this would, be, <laughs> this would be the best event to take them to. So we've, we've got room for 40 couples. I think right now we've got 25 couples signed up. So if you want to reserve your spot, to invest in your relationship, I would highly encourage you to take your phone out now and you can scan the QR code and get you signed up. The cost is $40 per couple and that includes your childcare and that includes a dinner as well. And so we would love for you to come and invest in your relationship marriage. So if you have a wife, a fiance, or if you're just dating and you wanna get some tools in your tool, tool bag to move forward, Please join us at the marriage one night soon. Secondly, life groups. How many of you love life groups? Come on, life groups. Life groups are small groups of people that do life together at LifeHouse. So we have got our life group signups live right now. So you can go on our website or you can follow whatever prompt is on the screen behind me. You can see the different life group leaders there. Uh, we have signups open today. We have groups, men, women, young adults, Bible studies, career-focused groups, uh, if uh, seasoned, uh, seasoned folk, y'all, you aren't old, you're seasoned. If you're 55 plus, you're just the seasoned, smarter, wiser, grayer bunch, right? Um, we've got a group for you on Friday nights. Um, we've, we've got something for pretty much everybody. So go and find a group for you, and let's do life together as part of the uncommon life that Jesus calls us to. All right, so we're going to uh, continue our series today, Jesus and, and Today, I want to actually go along with this theme of, do- of doing life together by talking about Jesus and community. Jesus and community. And by community, I mean one of the values we have at our church is doing life together. Is there anything more challenging than as a church than doing life together? I think if there was any season that exposed how ununified the church was, it was 2020. Anybody remember 2020? <laughs> something called COVID, but while, while we have a global lockdown happening, we also have a presidential election, we also have George Floyd, there were multiple events that happened at one time, because here's the thing, pressure is a revealer, pressure reveals what's there, that's why when Jesus said, um, the storm will expose what you're built on, 
right? That's what storms do. Storms expose the strength or weakness of something. And in 2020, when there were storms that were happening, that were happening culturally, it showed the lack of unity and relational foundation in the church. Why? Because people started to split and divide over everything. Masks, no masks. Church gathering, no church gathering. Racial justice, no racial justice. You voting for Trump, you're canceled. Voting for Biden, you're canceled. You know, it, it, it just became this absolute incredible division that exposed the struggle it is for even Christians to do life together. So that's what we're going to be talking about for the next two weeks. So next week is our sixth church birthday. Come on, somebody. We've been church for six years. We always celebrate our birthday uh, the third weekend in September. So we're going to be celebrating the fact that we are turning six. So I've got a special message planned for that. But then we're going to come back to Jesus in community uh, the, tw- the 24th. So this is going to be a two or three part series looking at the challenge of doing life together, the challenge of being in community, but actually how it's God's idea. And that's what I try to do whenever I preach. I could easily cherry pick the Bible to say what I wanted to say. A lot of people are good at that, right? Where you can pick a verse, you can pick a scripture, you can pick a concept, where you can go to the Bible and find what you want it to, stay, to say instead of just opening the Bible and saying, what actually does it say? And if something is going to change, I'm not going to change God's word to fit what I want it to say. If anyone's going to change, I'm going to change so my life can line up with what scripture says. And that's one of the big dilemmas we have in our culture is we go to God's word already knowing what we want it to say. So then we go and find scriptures and things to fill. But one of the things I do when, whenever I preach is to help connect themes in the Bible. Because there are themes. There are things that go from creation Israel to the life of Jesus and then to the church and this is what I try and find I try to connect anything I preach on number one we have to start with God right we have to start with God like does this originate from who God is and what God asks of us secondly what does it look like when we get into when God formed the people Israel right because that's really what the Bible is the Old Testament is pretty much a story about how God was trying to take a people that, were, that was in slavery, calls them out, and tries to shape and form them to be a nation that resembles himself. And that's, that's why the Old Testament is messy. That's why you go into the Old Testament and you're like, I can't believe that's in the Bible. Because, it, the, because what I love about the Bible, it doesn't hide its heroes' faults. It doesn't pretty up characters. It doesn't pretty up the situation. God doesn't take the Bible and pretty it up to, so, oh, no. The one thing the Bible shows us is how messy life is. It's how messy it can be to follow God. But then, so so you can kind of see, I try to say, does it fit with God? Starting off, Israel, does it fit in there? Thirdly, does it fit in the life of Jesus, who was the God-man, who came and showed us who God was and what God was like. And fourthly, is it a call that we have now as the body of Christ? Are are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Whatever I preach, I want to put through these four filters. Does it start with God? What about Israel? Does does it fit with Jesus? And does it fit as our call as the church? So when I think about community and people doing life together, 
it undoubtedly passes this test. God calls us to be in community. And one of the main reasons is because God is a community. Now, John, what are you talking about? The main reason why God wants us in community is because I know you might have heard this term Trinity, and you maybe heard it like, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? And I'm going to get a little, feel, a little theological on you right now because this is so important as we're talking about this concept of community that we know God calls us to it because in his very nature, God is community. That God is one, yet God is three. This is what the Trinity is. This is what Christians believe and what Christians teach. Has there been disagreement about this in the past? Yes, but it has always been deemed that, that God is one, yet God is three, Father, Son, and Spirit, meaning that, that they are all God, they are all separate and distinct, and they are all personal. And so God is three, yet one. So God doesn't just call us to community. God in and of himself is community. What does that tell us? Number one, God wasn't lonely when he created us. Because some people can think God was so lonely all by himself, and he just needed people to make him not feel lonely. God did not need people. He didn't need a headache. God did not need a migraine. When God created humanity and people, he wanted that to be the overflow of what he ended up himself and the Father, Son, and Spirit were experiencing. We were created as the overflow for him to pour his love, and his goodness, and his character, and his nature on to us. So God, we can, we can see, and, and I don't got time to do a full Trinity dive, but I want you to know, you can even see this in the Bible. It talks about, you know, when you baptize, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can see Paul, he's talking about the love of the Father, the brotherhood of Jesus, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You can see the concept of the Trinity all throughout the Bible, that God is three yet one. And why is this so important? Because if God was not, was not three yet one, number one, he could not be loved. Telling God is love. God can be love because God practices love. Here's the thing. God doesn't call you to do, to do nothing that he himself doesn't first do. Because God's, God says love, but God has practiced love in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit for eternity. So this is important for us that as we're looking at the concept of being in community, God calls us to it because he is it. And then you can even see the first relationship that God made in Genesis that was a picture of himself was marriage. And what is ultimately marriage? It is two becoming what? One. Sound familiar. Two separate people, unique, distinct, separate, yet coming together to be one. Marriage is a picture of God. We need to find a higher purpose for marriage, y'all. It's not just about your happiness. Marriage is ultimately about you shouting and sharing and showing the world who God is and what God's like. That we can take two and become one. So we have to talk about this community thing. Now, I don't know about you. Community is hard. Many times when people say, the church hurt me, what they are saying is people hurt me. This term church hurt is so prevalent right now, especially on TikTok because people got plat plat you know, people have platforms now so they can share their hurts and their wounds. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Because in that you can find healing and you can find, you know, someone saying, me too, I've walked through that. And so I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't share about church hurt, but at the same time, just know church hurt, sharing church hurt should not mean church bashing. 
because church bassing means you're bassing the bride of Christ. The church is his idea. Share an experience. Share your hurt, please. But just be careful that the hurt doesn't lash into bashing and then saying, we just shouldn't have it and we shouldn't do it because of an experience you had. But when people say, I've been hurt by the church, they aren't saying a building hurt me. They are not saying the organization, the entity of a church hurt me. What they are literally saying is people hurt me. Why? Because people are the church. They're a community. And it's ugly, y'all. It's, it's messy. And if you've been in church, you know this. It is not easy. And I just want to identify like just kind of four high-level reasons why it's hard in a church to build community, even though we know we're called to it, even though we should do it, but why it's so hard. A couple reasons. Number one, uh, it, we, we can get really superficial because of pride. Isn't church one of the easiest places to just come in, say, hey, how's it going? And people get an inch deep in you, but they will never actually know you. How's, how's it going? I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. I'll never forget my dad walking into church one day. He told me this. He said, I walked in and the pastor asked me how I was doing. And I said, I'm doing great, pastor. And he said, but John, I was doing terrible. <laughs> and, and he goes, why did I say that? I said, because we can go into church always wanting to put this front up, maybe because we don't want people to know we are struggling or because we're afraid to open up and let people know we are struggling. Church can be one of the easiest places to hide and put on a front. And there can be many reasons for that. Many times it can be pride because we don't want anyone to know we're actually struggling. And maybe if you just invite somebody in into your struggle, they can maybe help you with it, Right? There's reasons why we struggle. What I'm trying to do is highlight these things so maybe it can kind of have something bubble up in you. It's like, yeah, maybe that's why I struggle with being in relationship and wanting to be in community with my church family. Secondly, though, we can struggle because of codependence because of past relational deficits. Right? And, and I think this goes to having the wrong expectations. Look, as a community, as a church, we want to be there for you. We we want to build relationships that, that kind of like come together and kind of like help us be the church. But at the same time, there can be unrealistic expectations that people have of relationships in the church that can then cause when someone doesn't follow through exactly the way you want them to, then, then you can say, you know, but, but typically what we have to do is to dive into ourselves and say, have I developed unhealthy expectations of relationships that are causing me whenever there is a conflict to bail, Right? Diving in, just like I said last week, to the why is so important when it comes to us saying, okay, like, do I have the right expectations for relationships, or am I trying to use the church to, to make up for a deficit that I have? That makes sense? Thirdly, a challenge to doing life together is we become preference-based because of the culture shaping us. I mean, y'all, just think of what you're hearing on social media and what a lot of people are telling you is 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 just like only be around people that are benefiting you you know haters throw them away people they're not perfect just, just just throw them away and think subconsciously we develop this rating system for how like how worthy are people to be around us right and so then we develop kind of this subconscious rating system of I'll allow this person to be around me, but this person not. And I think we just have to make sure that we 
And I mean, when you look at the people, and this is one of the things why the religious people hated Jesus, because Jesus would take the least, the kind of the people in society that were the least valuable in, in the Pharisees' eyes, and he would elevate them to be the heroes of his story. You remember the Good Samaritan? That would be, I can't even describe to you the cultural implications of Jesus saying to Pharisaical Jews, Good Samaritan. It, 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 I mean, these were people that the Jews called them dogs. Jesus took a child and he said the kingdom of God will, will be given to those who become like children. Jesus went and exalted women and called them disciples and let him follow them. Rabbis in that day, they didn't have female disciples. Jesus would go and dine with sinners it was this kind of heart and mindset that ticked the religion. And that we just have to make sure that we are not labeling people. That we, that we got the right labeling system. That we know who is not just important to us, but ultimately who is important to God. Another challenge is we can isolate because of past relational hurts or fear. And this is one of the main challenges we have. Because people in a church, like I said, we, it's easy for us to go in a service I remember one time I was talking with this person at my last church. It was a pretty large church. And I remember asking them, so what, what's the deal, man? Like, you know, you know, you've been coming a year. And they're like, yeah, you, you know, I just love the fact that I can sneak in here. I can get the word and I can get my worship in. And I can get out. <laughs> right? And some people love that. They just come and get the word and get to worship. And then they out. Because it's like they, they, they don't want to be with people. <laughs> They don't want to be known. They don't want to be valued. They know they don't want to be seen. And I'm not saying that maybe you need to see, because some of y'all are some professional sneaker, sneaker enters the church. Some of y'all been like, I've been coming for months. And all of our staff is like, we don't even know who these, who these people are. And they'd be like, yeah, I've been sneaking in. Y'all know who you are. We're going to find you. We're going to get to know your name at some point. And you might need a season of that. But at the same time, I just don't think that that's what God had in mind for you. And really, at the end of the day, let's just be honest, community is hard. But I feel like I've said this at our church a whole lot because I think we need perspective on it. you you, you got to choose your hard. Like, working out's hard. But not working out can be real hard. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Community is hard, but not having community is hard. And that's why I'm saying, like, we have to make sure we are understanding. We understand the difficulty. We understand the cost. But then we weigh it against the cost of not having it. We understand the cost of not having community when we need it, when we desire it. So you have to choose your heart. And understanding the fact Jesus decided... God decided, his father decided that the greatest message ever, Jesus in the form of a man, would come on the scene and do his ministry in the context of community, of relationship. So I think it would be wise of us as we're talking and looking at and wanting to be a church that is a 
community of people following Jesus together, that we look at how Jesus did community. And we say, are there things we can learn and grow in individually and corporately to help us actually see this modeled? So I'm going to talk to us about a couple things today that we see in the life of Jesus. Number one, Jesus, this is going to hit y'all, Jesus chose his, chose his community. Jesus didn't say, well, whoever wants to, you can be my friend. Jesus chose it. This is what it says, Luke. Luke chapter 6, it says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Everyone say pray. And spent the night praying to God. Can we just pause right, right, right there? Jesus had a shut-in. Jesus had an all-night shut-in prayer meeting. He prayed all night to God. It says, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose. Everyone say chose. Chose 12 of them whom he also designated as apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter. Don't you love how Jesus can just, like, rename people? Like, hey, hey, brah, I, I know you Sam. You're going to be Ricky. You know, it's like <laughs> his brother, Andrew, James, and John, and Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. I think it's in very important, though, that before Jesus chose those who were going to be the closest to him, he spent a credible amount of time in prayer. Have you even prayed about who you should be doing life with? Because many of you just let it happen by chance. And then you are wondering why maybe some of the habits you have haven't developed where they need to be. Maybe some of the vibes you're feeling, you're wondering, why do I feel that when I'm around them? Why do they influence me to say that and do that and watch that and laugh at that and go to that? Is this really God's best for my life? And so I think we have to know that you have the power of choice, family. And, you, you know, you have the power of choice not just to choose a church home, but even to, in the midst of a church home, what your smaller group of people look like. Choosing is not bad. Jesus did it. Now, I think it's important. Jesus did not choose, like, you don't see really, I mean, sometimes he did, but you can see him at times like, you know, not, you know, it's like, I'm only going to be friendly to these people. No, it's, 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 it's kind of like, you, you know, you can't choose who you're friendly to, but you should prayerfully choose who you're going to be friends with. You can't be like, well, I prayed about it. I'm not called to be friendly to you. No, that's not the way this thing works. We're not trying to take it out of context here. But, yes, like we are called to be friendly, but the truth is we cannot be friends with no matter how much Facebook says you got 5,000 friends. They ain't a friend. They could be a stalker. Right? Like, like we, we have to make sure that we adequately know. Because here's the thing. I think Jesus chose 12 because he had a limit. I mean, how, many, how much of our life can get out of whack whenever we try to be deep friends with everybody? And it's not that you're not able. It's, it's not that, that it's just, I mean, even Jesus had 12. 
Even in the 12, he had three that he was closer to. And even in the three, he had one, his, his closest friend was John. So I think it's very important that you need to be praying for and praying about who I need to be spending my time with. You've heard it said, show me your friends and I'll show you your what? No one knows this quote. Okay, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What's interesting about this, I believe this is partially true, but also know this is not true about Jesus. Because Jesus, Scripture says, was friends with sinners. Did Jesus sin? No. So Jesus was friends with sinners, but Jesus never sinned. So Jesus' friends always didn't show him his future. Now, there's this weird paradox we have to follow, this tension we have to manage as Jesus followers, where where we don't say, you're a sinner, I'm not going to be friends with you. Because I prayed about it, and, you know, it's, it's like sometimes you'll pray and God will tell you to be friends with somebody who was not a follower of Jesus. And many times the reason that happens is because God is calling you to reach them. He's calling you to be an example to them. He's calling you to not be the, influ, the influenced, but to be the influencer. And that is why Jesus could go into functions with sinners and be hanging with sinners, but the sin did not get on him. It's because he had developed himself strong enough to go into environments and not be influenced, but to be the influencer. There was something unique. There was something intriguing about him. There was something that drew people, that made them ask questions, that drew him to his teaching. Even see Luke chapter 15, one of the amazing things about that scripture, before Jesus dove into the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son, is it says sinners were gathered around to hear Jesus teach. Every time I read that, it makes me want to cry because I'm like, do you know what that showed me? I don't think Jesus was saying, you suck, you suck. I know what you did yesterday and, and all this stuff. People were intrigued by him. There was this factor to him of like, he's got this nature to him that, yes, he is teaching with power and authority and healing and casting out devils and doing these things, yet he wants to be around me. And so we need discernment as followers of Jesus when we're looking at community. Yes, we need friends where you might be in a season of development where you are not strong enough to be the the influencer. You are weak and you'll be the influenced. So there are certain friends you might have to in the name of Jesus and for the cause of Christ. You might have to have that conversation of, I love you, we're friends But when I am around you, I am drawn towards going to a club and sleeping with somebody that I don't know. So for a season, I need to back up and and make my walk with Christ a priority and do this word that has become a dirty word. Put in place a boundary. A relationship will be revealed when you put in place a boundary. That when you put in place something that is the best for your current situation, when you bring that up, it will be many times a revealer of what the relationship actually was. Because many times love the fact that you have no boundaries. So they can do whatever they want, however they want, whenever they want. And well, you're a Christian, you should just accept me. 
Sometimes a boundary is the most loving thing you can do. Because you just allowing it is actually enabling them to continue in foolish, harmful behavior. And some, sometimes, to for their good, you have to say, hey. And, and so what I'm saying is, is are y'all seeing this tension that we have to follow? That you choose your community. Sometimes God will, 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 will draw you towards someone that is not saved, but it's probably only so you can be the influencer, not the influenced. And, and what I'm saying is, is that not that they're never going to, because there are some people that, that I am friends with that are not Christians that I love being with because they're thoughtful, they're kind, they share a perspective that is different than mine, and I appreciate it. And we can have a mutually edifying relationship where I'm learning about where they're coming from, and they're at the same time inquisitive about where I'm coming from and why I believe what I believe and why I'm a follower of Jesus. So re- community requires discernment. But Jesus was a friend of sinners. There's an aspect of reaching people where we have to become like them so we can reach them. This does not mean sinning. <laughs> this was happening in the, in the church in Rome. This is wild, right? So you had people in Rome that were sinning, thinking, God's full of grace. I can sin a lot. He'll just pour out more grace. This is a great equation for me. And Paul's like, you're an, you're, you're, you're a, you're an idiot. Like... <laughs> In a loving way. He said, by no means. You shouldn't think this way. Sinning more does not make God's grace greater. It, it actually cheapens it. And, and, and so we, we have to have this mind of, 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 of like we cross lines into people that are not followers of Jesus and in some ways become like them so we can understand, so we can admit. And this is what Paul did. This is what Paul got bashed for, 1 Corinthians 9. Right? He, 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 he told them, though I'm free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. He said, to those, who not having the, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. So, to the weak, I became weak, so to win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by, see, my eyes are getting crazy. I've become all things to all things. No, that's not right. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save what? I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in his blessings. There is this nature that as we're doing community inside the church, but especially outside the church, we have to realize that in some ways, as we find a, find a community that might have a common interest, a common what, whatever, we can go into that knowing that be, in, since, since in some ways we are becoming like them, we have a better opportunity to reach them. And so we have to have discernment. But also, too, what I see Jesus, Jesus did, just didn't choose his community. Jesus intentionally chose a diverse community. Let me tell you one of the things, the, 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 uh, the potholes that we have in our culture is you can choose a community, but you will choose a big echo chamber of everyone that thinks the way you think, believes the way you believe, votes the way you vote, same color. Same, it's like, and, and if we don't intentionally say, I want to choose a diverse community, we could be losing perspective, opinions, and people that God absolutely requires us to have. And I can see Jesus set the bar in this. Like, just a couple thoughts. 
like Matthew was a tax collector. And I say this all the time, but like a tax collector was like working for, for the mob back in Jesus' day. They were literally hired people by the government to go out and rip people off. Tax collectors were not like IRS agents with ties and white shirts. Okay? They were people that would go out, go to a specific biz- business, and say, you need to give me 20% tax. They would take 5% and give the government 15 They were rip-off artists. But Jesus then goes to a tax collector sitting behind his booth and says, hey, buddy, you're, you're, you're going to follow me. Then he calls fishermen, which fishermen were business guys. So you probably had Matthew going to these fishermen, ripping them off. But not only that, then Jesus called Simon the Zealot, which is Zealot in biblical times, was like a political terror terrorist. They hated the Roman government. They were dedicating their life to murdering government workers. They were the revolt. So Jesus calls a tax collector that works for the government, fishermen who are being ripped off by the government, and then hires, <laughs> hires calls a political activist who hates the government. Can you imagine their campfires? <laughs> Can you imagine the campfire conversations that they were having? I remember you, Matthew. You little. And Simon's like, yeah, we had a plot to kill you, Matthew. <laughs> you know, like, can you just imagine the insanity? But I think Jesus was setting the bar for us to say one of the things that's going to mark the church of Jesus Christ is that all of these things that secondarily define us, we have to put away for what primarily defines us, and that's that we follow Jesus. And so Jesus was intentionally choosing a diverse, unique community as a model for us. And I think in this time where we have to be so sure that we are not in this big echo chamber, you have to be intentional about this, y'all. Like, you need to do a analyst of your closest people and just say, do they all vote the way that I vote? Do they all think the way that I think? Why? Because if you don't have perspectives, then you will take complex problems and want to simplify them. Like here, just just one, right? Immigration. Do you know immigrant? Right? Sexuality. Do, do, are you friends with with any gay or whatever people that might not be yours? Have you asked them, those that are a different color, have you asked them what the experience is like to be pulled over by a cop? Don't y'all be sending me emails saying, oh, John, okay? I'm just saying, because the least, if we don't have conversations and experiences, we'll simplify things. Well, they should just, they should, and you'll be barking at things that you have no context for. You can have a concept with no, con, con, with no context. You can have a concept of something, but until you contextualize it in a human being with feelings, emotions, experiences, and is standing right in front of you, it's so important, y'all. This is what I love about Jesus Christ. He could have stayed in heaven and barked orders. Just try harder. 
do better. Stop sinning. But what did he do? He came down and put on a body. He came down and put on flesh and blood and skin. Scripture says that he was tempted in every way we were, yet was without sin. He didn't bark, he said. He, he could have easily conceived, well, you should just stop doing that. No, he, he came and put on flesh. Are y'all seeing this? Why it's important for us to have a diversity. And what I love about our church, y'all, I thank God for the diversity. This is a miracle. We walk into a miracle every Sunday. We seriously do. And I love it. But, but, but also, too, we choose the harder path. Because you know how easy it would be for me to just stand up here and preach stuff that would just gain one certain audience? But no, his, heaven's going to look like this when we get there. And we're going to create a place, a safe place where, do you know what? We're going to have some tensions that we have to work through as a community. But it's those tensions that are going to build us to be more like Christ. All right. Next, Jesus' community, not shocking, wasn't perfect. <laughs> I mean, y'all hear Jesus rebuke some of his disciples? He calls Peter Satan. <laughs> calls Peter Satan. I mean, like, what I love is the fact that Jesus didn't choose perfect people. Therefore, we can all follow him. <laughs> Community's messy. It's messy, man. It's messy, and you know this. If you try to do community as a family, your own family, it's messy. Try to do community at your job, it's messy. You try to do community in the church, it's messy. And I just think that we have to make sure that as we're church, our church is growing, there's a lot of things happening, a lot of parts moving. We have to understand that really what, as our church grows, as you grow, as we all grow, really what we're doing is we're, we're just getting into a bigger mess. Because the more people we add, the messier it's going to get. Because when you add more people, you just add more problems. Not that that's a bad thing, but I'm just, sometimes we have to have the right expectations. Like some of y'all went into marriage thinking this is going to be the best thing of your life. And you got into it and you're like, I was very wrong about that. Right? Expectations, right? Like, here's the thing. Relationships are not just for your happiness. They're for your holiness. Everyone wants to be like Jesus, but no one wants to go through the process of becoming like him. Part of the process is being in the midst of a community of unperfect, imperfect, jacked up, messed up people. And in the same way, like, relationships are the way that God will sanctify you. I always say marriage is one of the is the context for, sanct for sanctification, not just happiness. Because in, in marriage, there's so much death that has to take place. You're dying to yourself, you're dying to your wants, you're dying to your desires to put the other person first, but in that death, new life can raise up because there can't be a resurrection without a death. And so marriage is the perfect context. And then you have the church con context. You know how many of us have to die to our preferences in order for Jesus to be lifted up? Your preference of comfort, your preference of being, of being a consumer, your preference of wanting a certain style of worship music, your preference of wanting me to not preach for 10 hours every Sunday, your preferences of like, right, all of these things. We all have preferences that we come together as a church, and if, and if we are going to make it work, then in some ways all of our preferences have to be put to the side so we can see the mission, which is the church doing the Great Commission moving forward. 
Every community needs a healthy dose of grace and truth. How, how do we do community? How do we do the mess? It's done with grace and truth. Everyone say grace. grace. Everyone say truth. Grace. grace and truth is not a problem to figure out. It's a tension to manage. Because there are going to be times in our church we have to know people need grace. Then there are times we have to know people need truth. And being able, that's, that's why grace and truth is not a policy or protocol. It is discernment. You are going to be in relationships with some people that you're, you're going to have to see, man, these people are struggling. And you know what they need right now? They don't need me barking at them or what they did wrong. They need to understand the grace of God. So I'm going to overlook what they said because I know their heart. Then there are going to be times where you're going to have to, because many times people leave churches because they don't speak up. And they hold on to things. And they don't communicate. Right? And some, some, sometimes, like, we, we, people need to hear the truth in a loving way, of course. But sometimes the way that somebody else is going to grow is by you confronting them with the truth in love. And so we have to know, y'all, this is something we're all going to navigate. When you get into a life group, when you get into a team, when you get into anything like that involves more than you, it's going to do this, this habit and practice of growing and sharing grace and truth. And in that process of knowing, being able to discern grace and truth, you're going to fail a lot. It's one of the areas that I've failed in this church is knowing when I should have grace and when I should have truth. And sometimes I speak too much grace excuse me, sometimes I speak too much truth when, when they needed grace. Sometimes I gave too much grace when they needed truth. Y'all feel me? So this is something that we'll all grow in, that we manage the mess by grace and truth. Okay, and lastly, Jesus's community had, and, and this is what I think is so important, Jesus's community, the people he had around him, had friendship and purpose. Everyone say friendship. Jesus said, I no longer call you, but I, I call you friends, right? He was their friend. He was there with them. They did life together for three years. But also, too, in that them doing life together, they did not just build friendship. They were on a mission to change the world. And I think biblical community, us doing life together, has to have a mix of friendship and purpose. I think even our personalities can have that, Reggie, right? Where you, where, where you got some, some people, they're just like, what are we doing? Let's get stuff done. And, and people like, can, can I know where, your name? Uh, who, who are you? <laughs> like, can we build some relationship first? And then some people just want to be friends the whole time. How are you doing? Da, 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 but they never want to move something forward. And I think in a church, we have to balance the fact that we are called to community. But community is not the ultimate call. The Great Commission is the ultimate call of the church. So community is a vehicle to see the Great Commission move forward. It, it is a means to the end, not the end. Because some people, they want to take something and make it the end when it's just a means. People in church are the best at this. So let me give you a few examples, right? Some people, God has touched them through worship, so they want everyone to experience worship the way they have. So they're like, man, you know, worship, worship. If you ain't worshiping, you, you ain't a Christian. Worship, man. Soaking worship. Soaking hour, one hour. Soak in the presence of God. 
Let him touch. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's like, so there are people in our church that love worship. I love worship. The way worship was going this morning, I would have loved it going just for an hour. But we, you know, we, we had things that we had planned. And, the, and are there times that just a couple weeks ago we let the whole, yes, we do, right? But, but, but then you got, got people, they're, they're like, outreach, outreach. If you're not doing outreach, you aren't a Christian. If you aren't in community, you're not a Christian, right? And, but y'all, y'all think I'm crazy, but I'm serious. People want to take their thing and make it the thing without realizing it's not the thing, it's a part of the thing. Worshiping can be a means to helping you become, y'all know the end is becoming like Jesus, right? That's the ultimate goal. The goal is not an action, the goal is a person. And there are different means that can influence us becoming more like Jesus, like worship, like prayer, like, like outreach, like hearing God's word, like being in community. These are good, but at the same time, they are not the end game. Becoming like Jesus is. And so we have to make sure that even as we're heading towards community, right, as we're saying, we're going to be a church. One of the heart of our vision, do life together. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to see. We want to see is do life together. That is part of the thing. But as we are following Jesus, living this uncommon life that Jesus has called us to, that we're, we're intentionally following him, we're joining together with, with others, we're getting in the game, we want to say, where can we serve, and then we're living to leave a legacy. You can see how community isn't the thing, but it can be a means to the end, which is the thing, which is Jesus, because we see in Jesus' life, he had us surrounded by a group of 12, 3, and 1. And so what, what I am encouraging us as a church to do is not see community as being the end game. But it's a means. It's a means to you having friends, and it's a means to you fulfilling the purpose of the church, which is the great commission of Jesus Christ. Purpose and friends. This is what we hope that as you get involved in life groups, and hopefully you'll sign up for one, is that when you get into these groups, you are building friendships, but you are finding more and more and more about your purpose. Because when a friendship becomes the like in, end in and of itself, it kind of takes a good thing and makes it a God thing. And this is what happens when you take a means and make it the end. Worship, word, whatever. You can take that means and put it as the very end thing that everyone has to do because it's touched you instead of saying, no, the end is Jesus and these means are all things that God has given us in his grace to be used to transform us like him. And there might be some things that someone, you know, like someone have a past for us, some outreach, these are all good, but we have to take all of our good things and say, Lord, these are all just means. We want to use these things to glorify you. All right, so community is necessary. It is necessary for us to become like Jesus. Keyboard player, can you, can you please come up? I need to land this plane. Community is the necessary part for us to become like Jesus. It's the way we carry out loving each other. I mean, honestly, it's easy to love people when you're not in community with them. <laughs> but you put in the work, you put in the training when we're actually saying, hey, let's do some life together. So let me ask you again. What pain do you want? What hard are you going to choose, church? What pain are we going to choose as the church? Are we going to choose the pain of being in community and striving for community? Or are we going to choose the pain of saying, I'm going to sneak in, do my thing, and leave? Now, now listen, I'm not judging anybody when I say that. All I'm is, is you have to discern even what season you're in. 
Because some of you, you're in a season of God doing some deep work in you. And you're like, you know what? I might need a season of being kind of by myself right now. And, and y'all, as I say, anything we ask you to do here, there is no forcing or have to. We want the Holy Spirit to give you a one-two. That was spiritual, wasn't it? Some spiritual stuff right there. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, okay, all right, yes. Sounds a little better. But no, whatever we're encouraging you to do, y'all, is, is never out of a have to. We pray that God would make it be a want to. That you would hear from me today the purpose behind it, the heart behind it, the vision behind it. And that you would, by the Holy Spirit, make a decision. And our prayer is that your next step would be to say, I want to intentionally be in community with my church family. And the, one of the ways we do that here is on teams, right? You can join a team. And you can be in a group. Because here's, 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 here's the thing. Unfortunately, we will not know your name, know your story, or know who you are if you aren't taking a step to be involved. Right? And, and so one of the ways you can do that is to say, hey, I'll join a group with the guys. I'll join a group, you know, me and four other men. We're, 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 we're going to be leading men's night at Lifehouse on Tuesday nights at 630. Okay? Where we're going to be, you know, going, you know, coming together, studying the Bible, eating good food, and then we're going to break out in small groups and grow together as brothers in Christ. All right, we, we've got those groups for all age levels. And we want to know that, that as we participate, as we make these available and as you participate, it becomes this partnership to say, we want to be a place where there is community built, but then at the same time, there has to be a step on your end that will say, I will take this step. Maybe you want to stop being super, super you know, you want to stop being superficial. You want to heal from relational deficits. You want to stop being preference-based. Or you want to say, I want to stop isolating, and I want to take a step and try again. Because some of y'all need to try community again. Because you've tried it, and it hurts you. And what I would say is give it another chance. So, let's all stand. I pray today that you really heard the heart. You really heard the heart of God today for you and for our church. that you would pray for later today, choose in your heart first to be in community. And before we receive communion today, I want to invite you to be a part of God's community. Just with every head bowed, every, every eye closed, let's just spend some time with the Lord today before we receive communion together. And Being in community begins with you being in community with God. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to make a foreigner a friend. Those who are far off, he came to bring close. And I just believe right now, before we receive communion together, even one of the things the scripture tells us to do before we receive communion together is we examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And that's what I want to do today, is give you the opportunity to examine your heart, your spirit, your mind, Say, where, where do I need to ask the Lord to forgive me? Maybe you have prejudice in your heart. Maybe you do have in your heart the way you see people. Maybe you, you label them. Maybe before we receive communion today, maybe you need to ask for forgiveness for that.
and ask the Lord to cleanse your heart or purify your heart. Maybe today you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've, you've, you've never accepted the invitation from Jesus to be a part of his community in heaven. He wants to know you. That's why he came. And so I just want to invite you, if you've never said yes to following Jesus, and when we say yes to following Jesus, it's like that you've made a conscious decision to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I receive what you did for me on the cross in my place and for my sin. And I want to follow you. If you've never made that decision today, I just want to invite you to do that. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today, and we don't, we don't, we don't make a big show out of it, but we, it helps us to know who's doing it. Maybe you've followed Jesus for a long time, but you know you're not following him. And maybe today you just came in here just off the cuff and you're here and you can feel the Holy Spirit saying, no, it's, it's time to come home today. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, if you want to receive the Lord today, you, you want to be a follower of Jesus today. I just want you to take your hand and lift it up on three. Ready? One, two, three. Anyone here today? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? It's hard to see here, but I'm going to trust that the, but I'm going to trust that the Lord's moving. And I just want to invite you, if you raised your hand today, I just want to invite you to say this prayer with me. I just, I just want to lead you in prayer. I want to take your hand and put it in Jesus' hand. But I'm going to ask everyone here if we join in with those that had their hand raised or maybe didn't have their hand raised, but maybe they're making a decision in their heart. Today. Could we just pray this prayer together? Can we say, Jesus, thank you for making a way to be in community with you. I received the invitation. Thank you for choosing me loving me, forgiving me. And Jesus, in response, I give you all of me, the good, the bad, the ugly. Jesus, I will follow you for the rest of my life, all of my days. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about Lifehouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.